Welcome to the acclaimed podcast, Deep Dive with Andy and the White Whale. Welcome to the Deep Dive. Monday evening finds us uh, watching some hoops, talking about some of the crazy shenanigans surrounding Oscar betting, uh, and preparing to do another in the series of relatively evergreen content uh, where we talk about bankroll management tonight. Andy, how you doing? I'm I'm super. Just got done doing a tennis podcast. Now we're jumping right into this. Catching up from Blizzard 2019. Oh, we got, we got blizzarded. I got blizzarded hard. It sucked. And... Yeah, you're, you're you went and got blizzarded on purpose. <laughs> yeah, for uh, for those who like to live vicariously through your podcast hosts, uh, I'm up in um, Big Sky, Montana, on a ski vacation this week, and it is literally like a freaking powder palooza. It is wild. There is like knee to hip deep powder. It's still snowing. I'm looking around. I'm like just. Like I would take a bluebird um, packed powder groomer a day tomorrow because my legs are so freaking cooked uh, from fighting through the powder. But all that said, it's so fun. I can't really complain about anything going on right now. And, you know, by the way, like Bozeman, Montana, huge, huge props to them. This place absolutely fucking rocks. Big Sky, uh, Montana, absolutely rocks. This is hell of a, uh, a cool ski town. Um I've been to most places in the uh, in the Western North America, uh, and this is definitely in the top five. Uh, I put it up there with the likes of uh, Whistler and and uh, Vale Beaver Creek and um, and Mammoth and some of my other all time favorites. But uh, yeah, um, Big Sky kicking ass up here in the ski chalet, recording a podcast about bankroll management. Does that make sense? Yeah, I mean, yeah, the, your bankroll. It's separate. Like it doesn't matter what you what you're doing with your life. Like you know, do your, your vacation. That's not your that's not your bankroll. No, that, and that's Monday, true. Like uh, I, I mean, I think that's a good spending. Yeah, uh, I think that's a good point because it should be. I mean, at the highest level. Before we get into the intricacies of some staking systems or percentages or any sorts of numbers, like, uh, and we don't say this enough or ever as far as like. You know, if you are betting on sports, like it, it should probably be money you can lose because you can. Even with perfect bankroll management, proper everything, you, you can lose like big chunks of money in a hurry. Like variance can kick your ass. You can lose. There's nothing saying you couldn't lose 20 plays in a row because there's nothing saying you can't win 20 plays in a row. These sort of things happen. So you got to be prepared to to buck that and yeah, don't uh don't bet the rent don't bet the rent check on buffalo plus the points next week actually uh, i like buffalo and plus like, they're not they're not plus the points buffalo is freaking amazing dude i'm sure I'm, I'm sure you're talking about our buffalo bulls uh best uh, college basketball micro major out there probably right um actually Nevada's probably best, but Buffalo's number two. Um let's uh, but I mean, let's, if you want to go to small conferences, there's a team in Washington that's decent. Oh, Gonzaga. Yeah, I guess that's a good point. Um they don't really fall in that category, but yeah, that's a good point. Um okay, in the no, WCC. Yeah, okay. Real quick, you got any thoughts on um on this Oscar bullshit? You wanna scold my bookie for whatever they did, their role in this was? Do you think it was malicious? Do you think do you think this was a, a big uh bunch of bullshit or was this like literally like targeted uh, market manipulation in a way that really fucked over a lot of people who are new to this? Yeah, I'm not sure. Like I have so many feel like the whole the kids in Texas betting on it, like who knows if that part's even true. Like that that could be there's, there's no, you know, there's no like high level journalism going on there that can be fabricated. I don't know. I feel like if you're the if you're setting odds at a book, it's kind of, and you you report something like this. That's one thing. But like later on, when Mister Ag said, you know, I should win the Oscar for this, like that 
seemed irresponsible to be in that position and and be that kind of guy, I guess. I don't know. I thought it was first I talked to several people while it was going on and I felt like for the for the life of me, I felt like it was a setup move where it said we're gonna we're gonna get all this steam going on this long shot and then we're gonna pound the piss out of Alfonso Cuaron everywhere we can at a lower number, which is what I ended up I took a very small <clears throat> piece of this long shot guy at like thirty five to one and then once the numbers Just came down, I hit Quaron and fucking loaded like, on Quaron, right? Like, yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean that was that was easy easy arm play because even if it easy went tits scalp. up, I guess. Yeah, the joke yeah, the joke was that it, um, congrats Spike Lee because that's that would have cost me all the money I've put into play. But no, it was nice cashing on Quaron. I don't know, like just uh, take everything with a grain of salt. If you read it on the internet, like I shouldn't have to tell anybody that because you've seen. Uh, I mean, just imagine those clickbait ads that you see on some sites. Like, tweets are worse than that sometimes. You never know what people's intentions are. Like, especially a lot of these. And I'm not even going to, like, throw AG or my bookie under the bus. Because even some of these tweets you'll see from, like, the Greek or other sources. Like, here's what the Sharps are on tonight. They're like, well... You know, like that, and that's a topic for a whole nother day, I guess. But it says, you know, the sharps are on the sharks tonight in the NHL. The sharks are minus 110. Well, you know, the sharps probably bet the sharks five hours ago when it opened at plus 135. Like they, especially the hockey crowd, the hockey crowd's heavy numbers. They're big numbers, people, a lot of math, a lot of modeling. And, you know, just because. It's, it's the sharps are on it. Doesn't mean the sharps are on it at the number it's at. Like you, you mm-hmm. gotta you gotta put context to everything you're reading. And boy, man, there's a there's there's just there's a time to read stuff and actually take it at face value. And that time is usually not Twitter. Yeah. Okay. A couple thoughts like, on this. Yeah, I, I I feel like a lot of people got taken and put money on this yogurt yogurt guy, and it was obviously a market yeah, manipulation. Yeah, yeah, and you know that sucks. Like if you if you out if you went out there and you freaking you know panic bet you know some guy that you've never heard of for some movie you've never heard of uh, because you thought you had yogurt. a hot tip, like yeah, that sucks, man. Um, but like. You know, when you have here a couple kind of like high level view on this, when you have props on known outcome, right? Like this, like, like presumably the Oscars are a known outcome. Somebody from the accounting company that tabulates this, is it still PricewaterhouseCooper? I think it is, but whatever the case is, like they have never leaked the results of the Oscars ever. Like this would have been the first ever leak of the Oscars, period, right? And you know, but all that said, you have a known outcome. Presumably, like it's a perfect spot to market manipulate, and like even you know, I could see an entirely uh, you know plausible world where you know people who have access to multiple locals uh, and can, you know syndicate can you know make a move, presumably a sharp move on a, a long shot that, you know, on a known outcome that would, you know, influence the market this way and trickle into, you know, some local who's, you know, holds a bunch of accounts all of a sudden is like, oh my God, my liability uh, on on this yogurt guy is so high. Like I panicked, like he panicked and opens a bunch of accounts at my bookie in order to bet that guy to cover his ass because he doesn't know where this came from. Uh, and then, you know, the next thing you know, you know, and you know, the my bookie or whoever doesn't even really have to be a specific, you know, offshore, but like they want to drive action, they want to drive betting, they want publicity. No better way than to come out and be like, hey, this is bona fide, uh, suspicious betting activity. Uh, send it out into the universe and watch the freaking chaos on Sue. Um, and if you're the betting shop and you're just taking all action on all of this, knowing that it's relatively small peanuts, it's just going to get people to deposit money in your book so that they can bet these props that are low limit. Like none of this is surprising. Like this is the cycle. This is the way things go. It'll happen on, you know, future, uh, you know, future situations like this. This was just a perfect storm of, you know, like presumable, uh, elite sharp information that was just complete and utter bullshit. Uh, and, um, you know, it's, it sucks if you got screwed and, 
you know, hard lesson learned uh, not to trust this shit, uh, especially if it's coming from the bookmaker themselves. I mean, <laughs> like, I don't know what the goal of that tweet was other than to get more people to put money on that side, right? Like if you are a bookmaker and you're scared of your liability on some nonsense prop uh, at 20, 30 to one, like screaming about how you're screwed about it is a great way to get more people to just, you know, more sheep to just run. Yeah, that's, that was but the so, biggest flag. That was the biggest warning flag, I think, because the original story was, oh, we got hit so hard. Oh, people were betting $250 a pop on this prop and they hit us so hard. And then they opened it again and Quaron, which at that point they would have probably loved to take some money on to yeah, balance give us it out. all the Quaron could, give them all, give us all. Of them. You could, yes. you could, you could only bet a hundred on him or 120 to win a hundred. That's the most they would take. So is, the bet that they need, the bet that they needed, gun. That is your smoking gun. Yeah, that's that is it. That that's is it. the because because I was I was trying to unload like a mother on that and it wouldn't let me. Because um, <laughs> I wanted I wanted to just take a full arbitrage of like five hundred. Sure, bucks scalp. And, you wanted the biggest scalp you could get. Yeah, right, right. You give me the biggest scalp I can get for sure. For yeah. Sure. So, but no, yeah. The the fact that they said they took two fifty on this one and then all of a sudden it's a hundred on the other side that would have helped them out. Like I think. I wonder. I wonder if I could have bet more if I would have even at like six to one or the lower price if they would have let me go heavier on the on the yogurt guy there because that would have been really indicative of a problem. But yeah, who, who knows? It's. I mean, it's a lot of it's a lot of guessing, and I think just the lesson is don't get too too excited. These are like conspiracy theories. Like everybody wants to be, Oh, I want to have the inside info and that's awesome and be ahead of it. And you know, everyone wants to take 20 bucks and turn it into a thousand like that. It's, 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 it's awesome. But when, when something's too good to be true, it usually is. You lose right. your head a little when, yeah. yeah, it's, it is like a conspiracy theory because people, yeah. people are so excited and they want to, they want it to be right. That they lose their head, they don't think, they don't use their common sense, and they're they're betting yogurt to like ten different books. Yeah, like everybody wants like a super cool friend that has access to like the you know like the warm up, like the practice shows for the for the you know Super Bowl halftime show, you know, and knows exactly what the first song is going to be, and has like this super cool friend that tells them what the first song is going to be, so they can go you know make a you know make sure that they have a profitable Super Bowl Sunday. Like I get it, like you know no you know betting on a known outcome is a freaking thrill beyond. You know, you know, any you know, feeling like you're getting finally getting one over on the book is is a thrill. Um, and uh, yeah, this this was just a. a we bet on snow yeah. <laughs> we, we have we bet on no. Oh, it's fucking amazing! It's fucking amazing. It, it, it's, uh, it's fucked because it, even even you, then, it's like it's like are they going to take this bad? Which also, and uh, let's make one final point on this before we talk bankroll. But and and I did say in a chat that I a hundred percent was fine with books canceling bets because it is what it is. You're at their mercy. These are offshores. There's no regulation. When you're betting offshore, you're you're at their mercy. You have to expect shit like this. But all the books that canceled the bets on the Gogurt oh guy. Oh my God. They can go fuck themselves. That was like, horrible. They look so dumb because, oh my God. because you know, even even if it was just a bunch of smaller bets, like that's just money they lost. Like they were so yeah. worried about this, which was, yeah. that's why that was the part that really had me scratching my head. Like, are they, are they really that dumb that they're, they're just going to take it off the, off the, and maybe not dumb. That's, that's harsh. I guess, you know, you don't want to expose yourself to some crazy liability, but I mean, it's the Oscars. The, you're, those don't leak. People don't know. I mean, I think people can hear rumbles of maybe, maybe voter A or voter B really like this. And there's some stuff steam behind it and that's fine it, it might have been a plus ev play at 35 to 1 like hey he has a he has a good sporting chance it's greater than whatever the math is on that i don't uh wonder like it's greater yeah, than a three percent yeah, which, right, which yeah. like right. and if, if that was the case then so be it good job it was a plus ev play that you made that, that not all plus ev play caches that's just how life works Let's uh, yeah. let's, it, let's pivot right. It, it, into it's a it's a black eye. It's a black eye okay. on those books. As far as like okay. that was a dumb move. You should just take the okay. money. 
we got to keep this hindsight. Evergreen. We got to keep this evergreen. What is EV? What is plus EV? Do you want to explain this? Do you want me to explain this? Is this because this, this is a perfect starting for. point? This is a perfect starting point for the bankroll management podcast. A much more perfect starting point than I actually you know what actually the perfect starting point really was the beginning, which is if you want this short and sweet and simple, don't bet more than you can afford to lose. Period. Like that is that is, for ninety nine percent of the people who come across sports betting content, that is the most important lesson that you need to have in your back pocket. If you're betting sports, do not put at risk more than you can afford to lose. It doesn't matter if you're up or if you're down. It doesn't matter. Um, the uh, but well, yeah, that that's the biggest thing. Like if you want to have fun, if you want to have fun and you want to make make this something you do outside of like one weekend where you blow it and then you're like, I can't bet for like a month because I need to pay bills. He, proper bankroll management isn't as glamorous. Like you're not, oh, I'm, I'm, I'm unloading on this game. This is my big play for the day. I'm, I'm rolling all my winnings into this like that. You don't get to do stuff like that. But with, with proper bankroll management, the odds of blowing a bankroll are so small. Especially, especially if you're using a, a small a percentage and you adjust that percentage all the time, you, uh, you should almost never be able to blow a bankroll and you'll always have some money to be putting on games. And after a while, you don't even think about the amount compared to what it means in U.S. currency. It's just your bet amount. It's your bet amount. Right. Yes. And it's yeah. always going to be your bet amount. Like that's how much yeah. you bet. And you should be more worried about your return and how you're doing against the line than how much you're betting. Yeah. Okay. I agree with all that philosophy wise. Let's get into some of the kind of the basics here. Um, if you're new to this, you've probably heard plus TV. You've probably heard expected value. You may not really know what that implies, um, but the expected value is relatively straightforward to calculate. Uh, if you have um, a numerical probability that you are calculating that differs from the odds offered, uh, you can calculate the expected value. If you calculate your numerical probability of something happening and it's exactly as the odds are offered, then you have zero. <laughs> the expected value is zero, right? But um, if you have, uh, you know, if you have a, a higher probability than uh, than implied by the odds, or um, you know, or a lower probability than implied by the odds, then you have either positive or negative expected value on making a play on that particular side. Sound sound pretty straightforward. Yeah, and I think that's the great tie-in to the modeling podcast we've done recently. Like, if you are doing some sort of modeling, even if it's you are completely unsure about how accurate it is, if you are starting to trust it in any way, shape, or form, then that's that's what you mean by plus EV. If you think a team has a, you know, you, you rate the team would be like a, a minus 150 on the money line, and, and the odds come out, and they're, they're plus 100 it's a plus ev play to you you right, you right. have better than the expected value you you uh you know let's say a, a minus 200 play it should win two out of three times if it's if it's even money that's saying it should only win every other time so you 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 think a, you're gonna make a bet that the books say is a coin flip and you think it'll win two out of three times it's like a good a good example is is a coin flip if you were betting uh, if you were getting even money on a coin flip on a on a weighted coin that landed on heads more often than not, that's plus EV. Like you just you have better odds than what the book is going to get you according to how how you feel the outcome will go according to your numerical model numbers stats analytics whatever. Yep, yep. Great example tonight. Um, Pistons played uh, are hosting right now. Currently hosting the Pacers. Hopefully they hold on for for a win for me. Uh, but uh, I calculated the percent likelihood that the Pistons were going to win, uh, and I got sixty seven percent. I would have expected a price a money line price around minus two hundred. It was minus one forty five. You can plug these numbers, and it's best to do this in decimal. You know, uh, you know decimal um, uh, odds instead of U.S. odds, and you know. By all means, if you're listening to this and you're like, what are decimal odds? What are U.S. odds? Like, seek out, you know, a little bit of help on this so that you can be able to convert these so that you can do these because decimal odds are valuable in a way that help you much more effectively convert a price to an implied break-even percentage. 
right? Yeah, and, and when we do our CLV do episode, we're going to talk heavily about decimal odds. Great point. Why Great you point. should start to love them. Great point. So if I'm calculating a numerical percentage of 67% and the books are implying a numerical percentage of 58%, then I have some expected value on placing a money line bet on Detroit to beat the, to beat the Pacers, right? And the question then is, okay, uh, how does this stack up against the other plays on my card? How does this stack up against the other plays that I'm going to make this week, this month, this year, right? And is there some system that I can utilize to make you know, to convert these numerical probabilities that I'm calculating into um, a bankroll management strategy that optimizes uh, the amount of money that I'm going to make in the long term. Uh, the key being that my my um, my probabilities that I'm calculating are uh, are 100. percent You know, I mean that they're they're uh, low uncertainty that they're relatively accurate that they're coming in. Um, you know, with some enough of a historical. Uh, you know, back checking that uh, I can say with uh, with relative high confidence that the probabilities I'm calculating are reliable, right? And if you yeah, if you you, uh, you do have to trust your numbers. You have to have some sort of history that they work, or you've you've seen enough, or you've done enough back testing where you say these are fairly accurate. Obviously, no no model is going to be perfect. You can never say with a hundred percent certainty this is how many times this team will win the game. But it is dumb how like simple it, 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 it it's kind of like now that we're just spitting it out back and forth here it's it's almost dumb to like say out loud but it, like if you took two games and the the books lined them both at just minus 110 on each side and you think one team will win you know 70 times out of 100 and the other game you think a team will win 60 times out of 100 then I I think possibly we, we do need to be looking, and this is something we'll talk about in a moment, about some sort of system to determine should be betting those a little differently because your model, your numbers, whatever, say you have a different edge on each of those. Yeah, you need a variable staking system. Uh, what's good is that uh, mathematicians and physicists who preceded us, and this is literally like this to people that... We're standing were, on the giant, the shoulders of giants. Right of now. course. And not only so shoulders of giants, but like shoulders of giants who figured this shit out in the 1700s without computers, uh, with, without, you know, Wikipedia, <laughs> you know, without uh, people putting together absolutely brilliant pinnacle blogs on these topics. Um, you know, these guys just figured it out, you know, the, the hard way uh, through solving mathematical proofs, etc. cetera. Uh, and um, it turns out that there is an optimal staking system. Uh, if, if you have a known probability and it's different from the price offered, uh, you can exactly figure out how much of your bankroll you ought to stake to win the most long term. Uh, and, you know, this is proven to be uh, a very useful, very, very utilitarian tool uh, for people who are professional sports bettors. Uh, it's called the Kelly Criterion. First time you've ever heard that, Andy? No. <laughs> it's my second favorite Kelly outside of my tennis podcast host. Oh, right. and it's yeah, yes. it's silly because I don't use it. But uh, yes, it's true. No, it's 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 a pretty simple formula, and maybe we'll just post. Uh, we'll post a couple articles. I think we should because, god damn it, Pinnacle wrote oh, without a doubt oh, a couple. Doubt. Pinnacle I'm wrote like at least yes. two good, good, really good articles about this. And they're when they short, post this podcast, look, yeah. they are short and sweet. Go, yeah, go, go find on on the deep diver whales. Mine on the we'll, we'll all be retweeting this, but they'll yeah. there will be links to some really good articles you should read if you're interested in Kelly. If you're using some sort of modeling and you're finding different odds and you are confused about you know how you should be staking like uh, this is a way bigger this is a way bigger edge play a than play b how should i be staking these differently like there's math there's backing it's it's proven P, you know pb yeah, minus okay. yes. one okay. minus Time p out. over b i'm gonna use your your joke the hard zach morris full-on stop time timeout if you're listening to this your homework is to look at the tweet directly below the tweet that I posted when we posted this episode and look at the three links and look at the three very short articles two by, two by our buddy. I say our buddy. I've never met or talked to him. I just love the shit out of this guy because he posts and writes so much useful stuff. Uh, Joseph Bukdahl, um, 12 expert 
two articles. He's our buddy. He just doesn't Kelly. know it yet. He just doesn't know yet. Yeah, we, we got to reach out to him at some point and have him on this summer. Um, and then one by Plus EV Analytics, which is also useful. It actually extended my knowledge base about Kelly criteria and how to apply it to situations where you have more than just two outcomes. Uh, and so check these three articles out in that order. Read the part one and part two from Joseph first and then read the e Plus EV Analytics. You're, and, this, and then come back to this point in the podcast. <clears throat> Andy, do you use the Kelly Criterion? I will, I'll, I'll, no, yeah. and I'll tell you why not. I also do not. Why do you not? Because I don't trust my numbers. I haven't been modeling long enough. I don't think I'm smart enough. And I am scared of variance. I'm very scared of volatility. In fact, I'm so scared, and this is kind of a side road here. I'm so scared that I don't bet the juice. I completely flat bet to the nth degree of how to flat bet. I oh, don't wow. bet. I won't bet 110 to win 100. I will bet 100 to win 90.9090. Wow. Because I play I play some that are I, I, even to the point where I have some plays that are minus 105. I have some plays that are minus 115. And I don't feel like I don't feel like the difference in those, like, should I be laying 10 extra cents on one play compared to another? Just Good because point. the the number the number I want, the odds are that much. Like, like if you aren't using stats and numbers, that's a, that's a good thing to ask yourself. Like, let's say you, you've come to a point where you're always betting the same amount. Are you betting 110 to 100 on one play, but maybe there's a play that's a little juicy on 30 to win 100. You feel that much better about that play that you're willing to put that extra money at risk. Like, I, I don't. I'd rather just win less on a on a higher juice play. I don't know. That's how risk averse I am on some of this, even though I do mm-hmm. want to incorporate some fractional Kelly at some point. Okay. Uh, a couple notes about Kelly. Uh, one, uh, it is not a one of my favorite tweets that keeps getting you know floated out there retweeted by the CDL community is not a fucking belief system. It is not a belief system. That said, uh, you cannot have a belief in your calculated winning percentages. You have to know that you have the right percentages, right? You have to have uh, it. Can't it cannot be? I believe I have you know hit this correctly. You have to know. Number two. Um, it is you. You bring up the the variability, and it is it is pretty amazing. And one of the articles you just finished reading uh, by by uh, by our buddy Joseph, uh, he laid out a bunch of Monte Carlo simulations. Joe. Joe, he did some Monte Carlo simulations, and he said, "Let's pretend that you have a bona fide four percent edge on the books, and you make two hundred and fifty plays. There are realizations where luck." happens to get you to 60% of your bankroll. If you happen to just hit, you know, a bad streak of luck over 250 plays. And if you take, you know, if you take a 40% chunk out of a relatively robust bankroll and you have a known, you know, you know, you have the right probability, you're like, yeah, you can keep your head down you can keep grinding, but that's enough to really, you know, shake a lot of people's faith in this sort of thing. And, you know, so that brings into, you know, the next, you know, the next uh, topic here using a fractional Kelly system like Kelly is, you know, optimized for a specific, you know, uh, a specific set of, uh, you know, of uh, numerical probabilities. Uh, if you want to use only a portion of that. And so instead of, you know, potentially laying, you know, 20 or 30 percent of your bankroll on a single play where, you know, you have a humongous edge. If you want to use some fraction of that, that makes total sense to me. Uh, and it is something I have used in the past, but I don't currently utilize just because, uh, you know, for me, the flat betting uh, is a relatively good way of keeping the emotion out of, um, you know, the sports betting part of it. Some people are robots. Some people. Can, that, that, is, know, and that, yeah. Yeah. that is a go ahead. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, some, some people, are robots. the they emotion, can, they, can complete, they can completely just crank numbers, get the results, play them, know that they're going to win long-term. But, you know, if, if you're tied to, you know, if you're sitting on the edge of your seat, like, holy shit, Pistons, do not blow this 13-point lead with a minute 32 to go. You know what I mean? Like, if you're really, you know, you know married to an outcome and, 
you have a humongous portion of your bankroll on one specific play and you catch some bad luck that, you know, you, you know, you have a 60% win likelihood and that 40% comes through, uh, you know, that, you know, it can really put you on tilt. And for me, bankroll management is all about well, staying off tilt. Avoiding tilt. I, yeah. I think we need to, we need to bring that up. Like, the difference between we talk about fractional Kelly, we talk about using a percentage of it, using true full Kelly criterion will like you weren't exaggerating. That was not hyperbole betting 30% of your bankroll. If you, yeah, yeah. there are quantified edges in some of our models where it would say like, you should bet a third of what you have to bet today. Like that's <laughs> yeah. where, it, it, there's too much variability. Like over the long term, that'll work, but you need like maybe six bankrolls just in case, and you don't want to do right. that. So I, right. I don't. Yeah. I think that that is the argument over. For, and and the the other argument against using full and uh, fractional Kelly is it's it's just as simple as it sounds. Like you take everything and then just divide it in half. Like uh, I'm not betting that big or a third or a quarter. I know these people use a fifth, a sixth, even you know an eighth of Kelly. Just yeah, they use right. the they use the formula, but they drop it way down because they're not comfortable putting a sh you know a quarter of their bankroll. Nor nor do I think you should be. I I don't think full Kelly is a good idea because of the volatility. And the other part of it is the human factor. Gamblers tend to overestimate their odds of winning and will naturally overbet. I'm reading that directly from a different article, and that resonates so strongly. You are always going to look for reasons to make a play over reasons not to. When you run your numbers and you, you, you find like an edge – you know, and then you look and you see something that maybe you would disagree with a little, you're more likely to shrug that off than if you see an equal, you know, a nugget or a piece of information of equal importance that agrees with you. That That's such a, you know, a reassuring piece of information. You're like, oh, for shit, now, I'm, now this is for sure a three-unit play. I got to jack this one up. I love that. You, you'll always look for stuff that'll make you want to follow what you already believe, just, you know, reaff reaffirm confirmation bias, whatever you want to call it. So mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. you, you always will overestimate your odds of winning. So that's the tough part about Kelly as using a full Kelly like this. And if you do bet yeah. a fractional Kelly, that doesn't help. Yeah. And the extreme yeah, right. volatility. Yeah. Right. Because it's, even let me, you know, talk about, you talk about, about the odds of winning a bet. Like that, that four percent example, like a four percent edge long term. That's that'd be stellar. That'd be it's awesome if, I, if you had a it known is. a known four percent edge. But that's true. Like you could still end up with a, a loss, a big loss, losing forty percent of your bankroll because, I mean, just the implied odds of let's just say a, a spread bet in basketball, uh, the implied odds that you win or lose. I mean, it's, it's still right around 50%, like 52% is the odds, the, the implied probability on a bet like that. So, I mean, even a 4% edge, it's not like you're taking it to, you're going to win 80% of those bets. You just, you're betting things that are priced at 52% and you should be winning them at 56%. It doesn't yeah. take a right. big looping streak to turn no. that tits up. With those small margins, you can lose 10 in a row easily, easily. And when that comes, if you can't sustain those losses, you're in, you're in deep trouble, um, which is why a fractional Kelly is somewhat uh, somewhat useful as far as kind of keeping things in check. You don't go on tilt because going on tilt is pretty fucking horrific. If you don't know what I'm talking about, it go. Hey, you, know, you, you haven't been doing this long enough, I guess. I feel like we've all done this. Like, you know, there's the emotional part of it just takes over your ability to think rationally about certain things. And the next thing you know, you put your whole bankroll in one play expecting to win it all back. And the next thing you know, you <laughs> lost that play and you're like, how could this be possible? And you're back to square with square one. Um, or so live, I guess betting, live betting, live betting is the best live, way to oh, tilt. Yeah. Best way to tilt. Best way. You I bet, don't like it over. It because best I have a year. problem with that. For sure. I, I don't lie that try, I try not to. I you bet it over from like the NFL and it was the surest play you've had all year. This number yep. was way off. It should be six points higher. 
and it's like three nothing halfway through the second. And you are yeah. so mad. And you just start mashing that over because it has to regress. It has to regress. There has to be points. So you start mashing the over. All of a sudden you're on over 35 and a half. You're over 31 and a half. It just keeps going. Nobody scores. Because a 60-minute football game, a 48-minute basketball game, it's not yeah. a big enough sample size. I mean, there can be some wild variance. You could be dead right. And you yeah. can have yeah. a game that goes completely against you and you lose a unit. Yeah, I lose a unit every day. Like I lose bets every day. Not yesterday. Yeah, right. Very many. But uh, <laughs> you know, just yogish. Yeah, just yogish. But no, but that that was a hedge. But the the thing about losing one unit is it's fully sustainable with proper bankroll management. But if you start live betting and tilt betting, where you're all of a sudden, well, now I'm have like six units spread out on this game. In yeah. what world would you have done that pre-game? Like, yeah, okay, hey. You, did you really think you'd be betting that much on one game all of a sudden? That's where live betting live betting's a great tool if used properly, but boy, it's a it's a it's a nightmare if you if you oh, just start yeah. going it on can tilt. bury you faster. It can bury you faster than any other way of betting. Yeah. Okay. Eddie, let me let me uh I got three questions for you. Uh and I'm gonna ask you basically of you know, get get pretend like you're an experienced veteran better who's gone through the highs and lows over years and years and years. Uh, and just give me some advice for the person that I'm going to lay out for you. Okay. I am relatively new to this. I have succumbed to the tilt that you're describing a lot. I consistently find myself, um, you know, you know, waiting for my paycheck. I put whatever I can afford into my offshore account. Uh, I win. I win because I have a couple of, you know, sports where I can find an edge, a couple of uh, specific, uh, you know, we'll say like small tennis tournaments where I know the players well enough to find some angles to bet. And the next thing you know, I've doubled my bankroll. Now I'm ready to roll. Like, how much should I be, you know, if I, if I can only afford to put. <laughs> how much should I put on a three team NBA parlay? Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Like, what do I, what, 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 what should I be doing differently? What should I be doing differently? Like, if I can, if I can only afford 500 bucks to put into my offshore account and I want to get rich and I'm out there just spraying the board, like, what is the most, what is re- reasonably, like, what is the most I should be putting out of my bankroll on any given play to help me sustain a, you know, a, a bankroll? Cause I just cannot keep my bankroll liquid. And again, I'm I'm the rest because I'm so risk averse on some of this stuff. I do lean pretty hard towards one percent, no matter what. But I would say like two and a half percent is kind of maybe the magic number for high end. There's some people that would say five percent of your bankroll on one, but that even that like could get sketchy if you want to bet. I bet there's days where I bet ten plays, I have half a bankroll in play. I don't love that. Even ten percent of my bankroll is, you know. Okay, wait a I, second. I'm a one percent guy, but like, to, it should be a percent. It should always be a percent. It should be a small percent. If you're not doing analytics, if you're just doing eye test and guessing, and you know, using some narrative stuff where you can't quantify one edge from another, it should probably be the same percent in every play. That's going to help keep you from tilt. You don't want to be the asshole that goes four and one on Sunday in the NFL and loses money somehow because you're so <laughs> sure about the Steelers that you bet $50 on three games yeah. and 300 on the Steelers. And yeah. you know, you, you made 150 by going three and all, and then your Steelers play puts you 150 in the hole, actually more than that. 165 with the Jews. Or, or, uh, okay. So 20, you're telling me, you're telling me if I can only afford to put $500 in my offshore account and that's all I can afford to lose over two weeks that I shouldn't be betting anything more than $25 per play. Yeah. That, that's that's, a, that's a super bank. aggressive bet. 5%. <laughs> like, that sounds, that Wait, sounds most high, it's those, those are the numbers. That is the math. That is, that is what we are talking about. Like you need to be, you need to have that sort of perspective because $25 is 5% of your bankroll if you only have $500 to bet with, period. Seriously. Like, <laughs> if you have anything that you've calculated an edge on that's greater than, great, great enough to put 5% of your bankroll on, like, do not bet more than $25 on it. That's pretty straightforward. 
Um, that's just another thing I don't think people understand about professional betters. Those guys have to have like a hundred thousand dollars in their accounts or ready to be bet, like that they can't touch, they can't use for their daily expenses. They have to have such a big bankroll so they can be betting enough, so their ROIs are enough to to take care of their 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 expenses in life. Like that's okay, the thing. Too. If you want to be betting, if you want to bet a hundred dollars a play, you should you need like a five thousand dollar bankroll. Like that. Okay, that's that's probably fair. Strong agree. Let me move on to question number two then, because uh, we got to try to wrap this up. I want to try to keep this relatively tight. Uh, question number two then. Uh, let's say I just started building model. Let's say it's going great. I've come up with a way to um, you know to you know truly quantify an edge, and I'm doing well, and things are going well. And I do think I've seen highs and lows. I've gone through the dips and valleys, and I know that I have a quantifiable edge, and I'm winning. Uh, I've taken my bankroll. I now have two x move my bankroll. Uh, what do I do about adjusting my bet amount daily, weekly, monthly? I think that's a personal choice too, but I think you should adjust it because, oh, I, I mean, it can go one of two ways, I guess. It can hurt you. It can help you, but it's still, I'm, I'm such a believer in betting a percentage every time that I actually, so I, I have a separate spreadsheet that has every single bet I make, no matter what sport it is, everything I'm doing daily and it has some math in the background that's always tracking exactly how much I have in every single offshore. Just so I know like what my total amount is. I, I want to know exactly how much that total is, including the plays I have long-term and futures, because I want to know exactly what my bankroll is every single moment of the day. So, and I just, my bets get adjusted. You know, not by a ton, but sometimes and I have a hot streak and it'll go up, you know, Oh, it'll go up a few dollars here and there. Or, you know, you run and all of a sudden I'm betting five, ten more bucks per play because I've won a bunch in a row, and that's just that's just how I do it. But not not everyone would agree with that. Some people say you should you should leave it the same for. I've heard people say a year where you re evaluate at the end of the year. But it's I, uh, I don't know. You probably have an opinion on this, but no, that, that, you, that, you can you can yeah you can do it daily, yeah, monthly. I, I do it by the play. Yeah, that's how, that's how I operate. And, you know, I mean, for, and if you are considering doubling your standard stake, think twice. Just starts much, much, much smaller than that. If you want to incrementally increase uh, what you are staking, uh, you know, and, and you think you have succumbed the peaks and valleys of, you know, the ups and downs of, you know, starting, you know, a, a handicapping model, like just still like only consider maybe what 50, uh, maybe 20 to 50% increase on your stake at the most, uh, I would say. And, you know, I, if you want to stick with the same stake over the course of an entire season, I think that's probably a better strategy personally. Um, all that said, the uh, let's say now, uh, what if I'm a guy that has a real great quantifiable edge in tennis, but I really don't know uh, how to quantify my edge in the NBA? Like, should I be betting the same amount on these two sports? This that's a good that's a good question. I love that because that's true. Like, you know, this isn't going to be a boring grind for everyone. You still got to have some fun. Like, it goes back to my AAF eight leg teaser that I did. Like. I take I take basketball, I take football, I take some things I do pretty seriously. I'm very strict about it, but I still like to shoot shoot some money off on some flyers and have some fun with things like that. But maybe just do it at a much smaller rate. That's what I do. Like if you yeah. really trust your numbers in hockey, maybe that's you're betting two and a half five percent per play because that's. That's your that's your lifeblood. That's your bread and butter. That's what you trust. That's what you know. That's what you're doing research on daily. But if you, you want to make some NBA plays or you're just tailing some random person, maybe those should be smaller. Because do you really know what your edge is? Especially if you're just tailing someone randomly. Uh, you know, they could be a really good handicapper, but if you're just doing it sporadically and not doing it all the time, who knows? Yeah. Like they can certainly hit sixty-seven. You know, they could have like sixty, seventy percent for the month, but you could pick out three or four of their losers, and you don't want that to affect your your overall bankroll just because you decide to go full, you know, full unit plays on that. So take yep. you know, take it easy on the shit you don't know. I guess that's yeah. pretty easy. 
and take it easy on the stuff that has a low likelihood of hitting. Like literally, like if you have a quantifiable edge on some, you know, side or total for an NBA game, a college basketball game, a tennis match, whatever, uh, like do, there's no reason that you should put the same stake on a five team parlay. Like literally, like if you, if you're that, if that's fun for you and you want to do it, like fine. But if you're betting $50, $100 or whatever on any given side or total, like there's literally no reason you should piss, piss away an entire unit on, a, you know, a lotto ticket sort of uh, play for, you know, just for kicks. Literally, like it's going to. I guess, gonna, yeah, that, I said, I didn't say that I bet, you know, 1% on everything, but that's that's not true. Like future bets, I should pull up my tab here. I have future bets. There's a bunch Dude, of these future bets that I, I go way smaller on. Dude, the Pistons. Like, you, you can't you can't bet one percent oh on hundred one. That was so fucking close. You're not allowed to watch NBA <laughs> during podcasts. Remember, you, Dude, it gets I you. Had, it gets you. It gets you. It gets the. It gets the blood angry. No, you're gonna get the blood angry. But I, the, the, my edge for to bring this full circle, my quantifiable edge on that Pistons. Uh, side over the Pacers today was one of the highest I've had in the NBA all of 2019 and I was feeling so confident and they almost pissed away a 13 point lead they covered by one fucking point like the, the, like like this is the lesson of all of this like that I was like I had I had a such a good look there and it still came down to the final fucking missed shot from the Pistons. Like, I mean, from that Pacers. Like, holy yeah, that, that's the thing. Massive yeah. edges or whatnot. Minus, minus 200 plays lose 33 out of 100 times. Yeah. Like yeah. Big, big favorites, things like that. They that lose. happens all the time. So yeah. They yep. lose. You can't let it affect you. What okay. else did we I think we did stuff. I think no, I think I think we did a good job. I think this was uh this was uh, a, a nice way to kind of hit this relatively softly, kind of talk about some of personal experience and try to hit some of the uh the key issues here. Let's wrap this up and, and get back uh get back to watching. But I think the, these, real uh, quick too, the other part of the hot quick. streak, you know, the hot yeah. you know, the hot streak raising your limit, like oh you double your bankroll and you you should you raise your percentage, whatever, and that, that's it's up to you too. However, you want to do it, but same thing goes for a cold streak. Don't ever do the get back play or the, the chase play. Oh, yes, man, I've lost like my oh, let's say, yeah, my so, bankroll is a thousand dollars. I'm down that's to six hundred. No ten. You don't. Know, you should never raise it. Like, oh, I need to get my bankroll is a thousand dollars. It's down to six hundred. I had a bad stretch. There's the human nature's to like raise your unit size to raise your percentage to get back. Well, that that usually backfires. Like that's not a good way. It, it, it's gonna that will work. That will work a certain amount of times, but it's not going to work the amount of times that you need it to work for that to be a proper play. Just keep it level headed. Keep grinding. Keep trying to win. But the, in no shape, way, shape, or form should you should you chasing like that. That's never going to work. And, you know, we, we go back real quick to last week or whenever we did this one where the, the lessons learned. Like, we didn't really mention it, but these are all lessons that we learned. Like, this the is, hard way. This the is the way. toughest part. This is so much – this is tougher than modeling. This is tougher than getting to know – everything and doing the research and learning everything there else there's about betting this is the hardest part because there's so much human nature to overcome here there's so many urges and biases this one's so difficult this is yeah. the ultimate willpower yep that's right man <laughs> good fucking right, good luck note. yeah good luck no no but i mean i think i mean you know to put a final point on this i'll i'll close with my kind of underlying underpinnings here for someone who is a recreational plus better like not a professional my livelihood does not count on me hitting that detroit pistons play tonight like it didn't count on it right um but uh like for sure um you will learn personally the things the, you know the highs and lows that put you on tilt you have to avoid at all costs you have to avoid the triggers that uh you know that that lead to you know the the true negative downward spiral that comes along with some of the emotional highs and lows of sports betting. Uh, for me, that means keeping a relatively flat unit stake across an entire season, across a given sport. And regardless of how much success I have at the beginning of the season, middle of the season, end of the season, it doesn't matter. Regardless of if it's the only 
you know, the only game on in a given night, I'm not upping my stake, regardless if it's the Super Bowl or the, the you know, the, the end of the season. And there's only a couple of games left. Like, there's no reason to up your stake. Like, literally, like, you have to, you know, recognize that, uh, you know, certain games, certain spots, you're not going to have nearly as much of a quantifiable edge as you will in others. And you have to bet accordingly. But you should not, you know, you should not be. <laughs> yeah. 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 And by raising your stake, that can even mean from zero to one percent. Like sometimes Great raising point. your Great stake point. means betting Great it at all. Point. Like when you Making said the Super Bowl, that yes. triggered that. Like, yeah. Yeah. You, yeah. You, right. Sometimes, sometimes there's no edge. There's tons of days where I don't play any basketball games. It's like, well, and I'm disappointed because I like to play basketball games. I like to bet. Sometimes there's NFL games where it's like, oh, man, I'd love to have a bet on here. And it just, I didn't have one. I don't have an edge. You you don't want to be sitting in there flipping coins. That's not a way to increase your bankroll. Agreed. All right. Good, good deal. Any final points you want to put on this or should we wrap? No, I think it's good. I think probably get some questions on this i think people have a lot of poignant questions as they often do our listeners yeah. have some i mean the truth is i think gonna, i think that we're, yeah yeah the truth uh, is if you got nothing tough. And, 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 yeah again this is just another lecture like we're giving you we're lecturing yeah, right, right, you again right, right. but right, like, this is right. another one like trying trying to kind of lay it out as far as yeah right. how important this is to yeah. overall like, being able to do this long term and even just as a hobby this is going to keep you rolled longer for sure and you know Keep to, you from being to, the um, exactly there you go don't be that guy uh if you get nothing else from this uh definitely check out the articles that we post uh think about bankroll management in a, in a more quantitative way uh you know just just think about it you don't have to actually act on it but just kind of recognize like oh this is what the professionals are doing oh my goodness and you know that you know wrap your head around that uh, and, um, you know, for a lot of this, you're going to have to learn yourself the hard way. We all kind of do, uh, just, uh, just recognize that, um, you know, a tip that you read on Twitter about, uh, a, a known outcome that's leaked, uh, does not constitute a quantifiable edge that you could put your entire bankroll on a person that you've never heard of in a, in a, uh, in a prop market that you've never bet before. Better wrap. Yeah, that was kind of <laughs> serendipitous timing. That was a good wrap. Yeah. So perfect. Yeah. We back right, man. mid Talk to week. Um, yeah. Talk to was, yeah Tuesdays, Tuesdays and Thursdays all the time. We'll be back later in the week with a fun guest. All right, man. Have a great one.